What's good, everybody? Good morning. It's your homegirl, Natasha Daniels. What's up? Uh, happy Friday to you. Listen, I want to continue to say thank you to everybody who's been supporting the podcast um, and who's been doing the darn thing. Listen, you guys are up to almost 2,000 uh, downloads. So I'm still trying to get all the analytics, um, but for the most part, um, the third-party distributor that I utilize in order to, you know, distribute. Um, so far, they've kind of got you guys hanging out at about 2,000 downloads for this uh uh, for my podcast. So I just want to tell you, thank you again for everybody who's listening. Shout out to uh, family, friends, those who know me, those who don't know me, you should, you should hear and see genuinely, um, the people who reach out to me about my podcast. Um, and I'm thoroughly encouraged and I just want to say thank you. Um, I really am here as I believe that God is allowing me to be it, trust me, it's not because I want to be It's genuinely because I really feel like this is what God desires for me to do in this season uh, of my life. So I just want to tell you guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, today's podcast is actually extremely dear to my heart because it is exactly where I'm at. Um, and I felt as though it's an appropriate time to kind of reveal some things to a lot of us, especially as the culture and the climate is changing. Um, also, you have to know that the spiritual culture and climate is also changing. And it's not just changing in the church culture, meaning like in 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 church, um, but it's changing in each and every one of us, I believe. Uh, so uh, today's podcast is called Dear Olive. All right, Dear Olive. So let's go ahead and get started. Father God, I bless you and I thank you. Um, it's a tough podcast for me today because it definitely not only speaks to where I am literally at this moment, uh, but it also is a public declaration uh, to my life and what I desire to do with you, for you, and through you for the rest of my life. So I pray that your name will get the glory, honor, and praise. I pray that those that are listening would not be conflicted any longer, but that instead, Father, we would really submit ourselves to you, that you would get the glory, honor, and the praise for everything that we do in Jesus' name amen so uh yeah today's podcast is called dear olive and um i actually i knew i needed to talk about this but i wasn't sure exactly when and just an fyi after today's podcast we've got one more podcast for season two um and then season three is going to be bananas um i can't wait to share that with you guys and that'll launch in uh may back end of may so uh, tell your friends, tell your family to make sure that they get caught up. Um, so dear Olive, um, I was having a conversation, uh, with someone and I don't think that it's just me. I think it's a lot of us. We're kind of going through this season that the Lord is not only pruning us, but he's really putting us in a box, right? He's putting us in this headspace or in this space that is cutting off everything that we knew everything that we know and it's like the equivalent of pushing us through this door that we're not ready for that we think that we're not ready for um, and I can only talk about my own experience as you guys know so uh, for the last few years um, my life has been just hard uh, I wish I could say that it was something different but it wasn't my life has been extremely difficult and extremely hard because 
I feel like I have outgrown my environment. Um, And what I mean by that is it is difficult to find people and to find um, places, not just houses of worship, but even, you know, uh, in my secular uh, connections and at my job, you, you start to become a big fish, you know, in this little baby pond and you can't grow outside of it. Your mindset is different. What you desire is different. What you're hungry for, your appetite is different. And I'm not the only person to go through it. I'm not going to be the only person to go through it. But over the last few years, uh, specifically two years, I have genuinely struggled with where do I fit in this world? Uh, where do I fit? Where does my gifting fit? Where does my 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 mind Uh, my ideas, how do I get this stuff off the ground? How do I do it? I have been so discouraged and so beat up and so um, looked over and and spit on. Um, I have been so thrown to the back burner and done wrong in so many capacities that people who genuinely know me ask me all the time, how do you do it? And the truth of the matter is I don't know how I do it. I think there's a part of me that has learned to not deal with things. Um, and there's another part of me that um, has spent most of my time being so focused on what does God want um, or or what I think he may want that I dismiss every single thing that could be bothering me. So as an example, uh, my music career is something that is very dear to my heart, but uh, it has not taken off the way I wanted it to. So let me preface it by saying this. When I was, when I did my album and when I started doing my music, the truth of the matter was I wasn't ready. I had, my husband was sick. Um, I was, you know, we were still fresh, you know, fresh baby poop (laughs) as far as it relates to ministry. Um, I had my own personal things going on. I was trying to work a a full-time job while taking care of a sick husband while trying to manage ministry. Um, I was trying to keep everything together uh, the way that I thought it should be. Barely ask. I don't even think I was asking God too much. I was really doing a lot of what was in my own ability to do. And, um, I was being pushed out there to, to do music, um, not just as a praise and worship leader, but as an artist, I've got many words spoken over my life and many people who believed in me and who pushed in me. But the truth of the matter is that I wasn't ready. Right. And I wasn't ready because I didn't have the confidence to do music. I didn't have the backing to do music. I didn't have the following to do music. Um, and so I didn't feel as though that's something that I could really be successful at. So fast forwarding to where I am presently, um, I took a lot of hits in my music. I made a lot of sacrifices. So, you know, there are some people or some artists, whether they're national, international, local, you know, who have had the opportunity to spend um, their time just doing music. I, I haven't gotten that opportunity yet. Uh, I am still multitasking and juggling a life that sometimes doesn't allow me to chase my dreams and doesn't allow me to spend as much time as I would like to building 
Natasha Daniels, whether it's through music, whether it's through cooking, those who don't know, I want to own my own restaurant. Uh, I love to cook and word on the street is I'm pretty good at it, but I don't have time. I, I don't have the resources. I don't have the backing. I don't have the following. I don't have the you know, and I, and I keep saying all the things that I don't have, but the truth of the matter is the one thing that I never had was confidence. I never believed in myself enough to do anything. And so I hid, hid myself behind pushing other people's dreams and pushing other people's missions and pushing other people's agendas. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sacrificing and supporting people and taking care of sick people and sick loved ones and taking care of family and raising people and raising children and 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 everything under the sun and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that except for the fact that I was doing it frustrated I have been doing everything frustrated right I'm 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 battling between the right Christian thing to do and what Natasha Daniels wants to do, right? The the right Christian thing to do is that you live a selfless life, you sacrifice your life, you give to the poor, you give to the needy, you you expend yourself and you 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 allocate the resources that God has given you and you give them to other people in hopes that your little bit does much in this world. And I'm not saying that it doesn't. I'm blessed to know a lot of people have great connections, but it did not make me as as happy as I thought it would. I am still at this moment frustrated because the truth of the matter is, is I have not pursued not one thing that I actually want to pursue. I have pursued things because people have told me to or because it felt like the right thing to do or because I knew it was the right thing to do. But that doesn't mean that it was me. That doesn't mean that it was what I desired. And so over the past couple of years, I have been internally battling the right thing to do and what Tasha is designed to do. And I realized that over the last few months that the two had been bumping against each other, right? The right thing that the Christian Natasha Daniels should do, even if it means and even if it meant that I never pursue anything that is actually in me and that makes me me, right? And I'm saying all of that to say I finally have gotten to the point where I cannot be the best version of Natasha Daniels and not go through this specific process. There's nothing wrong with being the best version or, or the best Christian. But there is something wrong if you're not the best you. Let me say that again. There's nothing wrong with being the best Christian. But there is something wrong when you're not being the best you. And, and, and let me apologize to the entire Christian culture and to the secular culture on behalf of me, my colleagues, my constituents and believers alike. The reason why I'm apologizing is because we told people to be a better Christian and not be better them. 
not be a better you, not be a better Betty or a better Lewis or a better uh, Angel or a better uh, Sam or a better Teresa or a better uh, uh, Michael or a better Samantha. No, we told people to be a better Christian and we didn't actually show people or tell people how to be a better version of you. And so somebody's probably listening and they're like, well, what's the difference, right? Because God tells us to do this and God tells us to do that. Yes, but God tells us to do those things within the confines of being you, right? Jesus was not just the best Christian or the best uh, a follower, the best submitted to the father, but he was the best version of himself. Peter, the best version of himself. Moses, the best version of himself. David, the best version of himself. Esther, the best version of herself. Right? So so the battle for me over the last few years and up to this point, how do I find the best version of Natasha and not compromise being a good Christian? And so there was only one way to really find this and define this. And that's honestly when I had no other choice but to actually start finding out, well, what does make Natasha Natasha? There are so many things that make me me. I'm funny. I like to laugh. I like to have a good time. I like cars. I like fast cars, BTW. <laughs> um, I like uh, sneakers. Um, I love family. A family is extremely important to me. Um, I enjoy, uh, um, um, sky, um, I haven't been skydiving yet. Y'all help me. I want to go skydiving. Um, I enjoy singing. I enjoy eating. I enjoy worshiping. I enjoy all of those things, right? I, I enjoy being human, but I also enjoy my relationship with God. And so the Lord has taken me to a very, very, very familiar passage of scripture. And um, it's in Mark 14, 32. And it says, they came to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. All right. So what that means is that, you know, Jesus and all his disciples, because they had just came from the Last Supper. Okay. I mean, we call it the Last Supper, but they had just came from having the last feast. Okay. So all the disciples were there. They all go to Gethsemane. Okay, pay attention to the text. It says that they all go to Gethsemane, which is the, the Mount of Olives or, or it's the Mount of Groves. Okay, there, there are olive trees. They believe that this had a, a plush number of olive trees everywhere. It was beautiful. It was very fruitful in that capacity. And so Jesus tells the disciples, he says, hey, y'all, sit here for a minute because I need to go pray. Okay, then he's like, hey, boys, hey, my, my homeboys, you know, Peter, James, and John, I need y'all to come with me, though, to this next place, okay? So the disciples, we have dinner with everybody, right? We celebrate with everybody. Then I realize that there's going to come a, point, a moment in my life that I'm going to meet destiny. And here's the part that a lot of us are, are struggling with in the walk is Jesus spent his entire life learning our ways, he spent his, the Bible tells us that he submitted himself. He chose to be taught our ways. He was tempted in every capacity. You know, the Bible says that 
after he had been uh, 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 baptized, the spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. They highlight Satan's temptations with the three, but it says that he was being tempted that many, you know, during that duration of time. It doesn't give us an exact amount, but three of the temptations are highlighted. Point being the, the, the Jesus subjected himself to humanity. Right. And we need to understand that in order to understand the significance of what is happening here in Gethsemane. Hence the title for today, Dear Olive. Jesus had submitted himself to be taught. That wasn't the pressure of life. That that wasn't the the the, the Kairos moment for Jesus. Being taught doing miracles was not the Kairos moment for him. Gethsemane was the Kairos moment for him. It was the moment, it is the defining moment that he officially is going to walk into the Messiah, into destiny, right? And so for Natasha Daniels at this stage in 2023, my interpretation of this text, which I pray grows throughout time, is this is the moment that Jesus not only has to make a decision, but he has to make a life altering decision, right? So the Bible says that he took him, Peter, James, and John, and, and, and they went further, they went away from the crowd, okay? Because Jesus needed to not just be human at this moment, but he needed to be 100% human. This, this isn't a God, Jesus, you know, God, perfect, moment this is his most imperfect if you will meaning his most humanistic moment I don't want to use the word imperfect his most human moment that we get the opportunity to see and Jesus said to them hey guys my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death in other words what Jesus is saying here is he's saying that my entire being at this moment, not my spirit, but my soul, the depths of who I am, what it is making me, my depth is grieved at this moment. Some versions say that Jesus was so distressed, excuse me, that, that, that as he was praying, the agony of this prayer to let the cup pass from him was making his blood sweat. I mean, his sweat bleed. Right. He tells them, hey, can you sit here for a minute and just keep watch? And the Bible says that then Jesus went to a deeper place. OK, so the first place, everybody's there. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. The first place when you get to this Gethsemane garden full of beautiful olives. The crowd is allowed to see you. As being fruitful. Hear me, the outside of Gethsemane was as fruitful as it could be. Hence, that where it's, that's where it gets the name from. It's a grove of olive trees that's located by an oil press, okay? Then the next level or the next dimension that Jesus goes in is he tries to find comfort in his friends, right? So, so they go beyond Hey, y'all, y'all come with me because what I need to do, this destiny moment for me, I need some comfort, right? And we all know that. We've, we've, we've read it a million gazillion times. Jesus is looking for comfort in what he has to do. 
because his humanity is understanding. He's not afraid of, of the cross. That, 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 that's not what he's afraid of. His humanity is beginning to show because it's getting ready to be the moment in time that I have to drink a cup that is going to cause me to be separated from my father. Hear me, hear me clearly. Then he says, listen, James, John, Peter, y'all stay here. I'm going to go further. And he started to pray. The Bible says that he fell to the ground and he began to pray that if it's possible that this hour may pass. Okay. So to actually understand what's going on with Jesus, you've got to be able to read other aspects of the text or other scriptures and so one of them is psalm 75 right and in psalm 75 the bible in here david is talking about the hand of the lord in the hand of the lord there's a cup and the wine is red right and it's full of this mixture and he pours out the same and therefore all the wicked shall wring them out in other words and drink them in other words there's a cup at this time hence the symbolism of the last supper there's a cup that's sitting in the father's hand that must be poured out on the nations and it's called the wrath of god there is a cup that somebody's got to drink jesus there is a reason beyond just the sacrificing of, of, of the animals and all that good stuff. That, but, but there is a debt that needs to be paid to quell God's wrath from the earth. The, 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 the level of, of pour that's in this cup is the judgment of God and somebody's got to drink it. So that's where when you go into Jesus, that's when you go into Mark 14. And Jesus says to them, or Jesus says to him, I pray that this were, if this were possible, that this hour might pass from me or this cup may pass from me. This judgment may pass from me, not because I don't want to be obedient, but because I understand that somebody's got to take on your wrath. Somebody has to take on this judgment. And now is not the time for miracles. Now is not the time. Notice, hence, Jesus' first miracle is water into wine. That's a whole nother text. We'll talk about that later. The wine is symbolic, though, of God's judgment and of God's wrath, okay? So somebody's got to drink this cup. Somebody has, Jesus can't use a miracle here. Jesus can't snap his fingers and something happen. Something specific has got to happen at this moment. And what has to happen at this moment is where I've been for the last couple of years. God has allowed me to get to a point where the crowd has watched me and they have praised me for being fruitful, even though I don't feel that within myself. I've pulled together all of my bestest of friends and all the people who I love the most. And I've asked them, I've tried to find comfort in this life and in this walk but slowly the lord has been taking me to this to this garden the first garden that we see is a garden that is full of fruit it's the it's the garden that we're supposed to eat from it's the garden of eden that represents paradise the first garden is with adam and adam and eve and the first garden god is there the second garden that we see is the garden of gethsemane 
And it is the garden that you have to make a decision. The garden that the voice of God is not there, but the prayers of, 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 of the righteous might be there. Jesus is there. But what's also there is agony and there is pain. And there is a decision that you're going to have to make in this garden. And so as you continue to read the text, the Bible says that uh, uh, um, he said to them, he realized that that they were asleep. He's asking them, you know, in 36, Father, Father, Abba, all things are possible for you, but just remove this cup, remove this wrath from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Nothing is said. The Father says nothing. So he comes back out from where he is, right? And he finds them sleeping is what the Bible says. And he says to Peter, hey, bro, you're asleep. Could you not keep watch for an hour? Now, a lot of people have a lot of different uh, uh, interpretation for what this means. So for Natasha Daniels, here's what Jesus is saying. When you do a little bit of studying, what you're going to find is that Jesus is not just looking for comfort in human. But he's trying to teach them a principle about watching and praying, right? Jesus isn't scared of the next step. Jesus at this moment is still trying to teach his disciples, though, how you handle and how you manage a moment where your humanity is talking louder than your spirituality. In this moment, the disciples have eaten and they are so tired in other words, their flesh in this moment is winning more than their spirit. And Jesus is trying to teach them a principle here that at any moment, you got to be watching and praying. But at this specific moment, I needed you to be watching and praying, not because uh, uh, this moment for for the disciples is any different but because this moment for Jesus is different hear me and hear me clearly this moment for Jesus is different because Jesus is getting ready to show them how to submit when their life is on the line okay in other words Jesus's natural life he was ready he already knew that that's what he had to do what Jesus was in agony about is that this process is going to create a separation. It's going to create a separation between me and the Father that the only ones who have experienced that are human. All right, let me, let me, let me rewind it for you. Jesus, although leaving heaven, has never been away from his Father. But in order to drink this cup and in order to be the Messiah, in order to do the final destiny, in order for him to be the one that we adore, he's got to drink a cup that is going to cause separation. He has to drink a cup that the father can no longer look at him the same way. The father in heaven is purposing in him. His destiny as the Messiah now is not to do a miracle. His Destiny is to be the lamb that is to be slain so that we no longer, Karabayasa, are a stench 
in the sight of God or in the nostril of God, but that those who believe are now smeared with the blood of God on their life so that when God sees us, all he sees is his son's blood. <sighs> Verse 37, and he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, hey, y'all couldn't stay up for, a, for an hour. He's trying to teach them. There's going to come a moment in your life where your humanity cannot win. Your spirit man has got to win this fight. Why? Because at the end of the day, it's a matter of life and death. That's why Jesus says those that lay down their life will gain it in him. The reason why you're gaining it in him is because Jesus had to lay down his life at this moment. Here is the moment that Jesus has to make a decision. Are you worth me being separated from my father so that I can raise up or rise up and none of us ever have to be lost again? The Bible says in 38, keep watching and praying that you not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he again went and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he found them sleep for their eyes were very heavy and they did not know what to answer him. And the third time he came and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. Let me help you understand what just happened in this text. Then I'm going to bring it to myself. Then I'm going to close it. Jesus is teaching them a principal moment here because Peter and all of them are getting ready to go through a moment where they too immediately are going to have to make a decision whether they're going to lay down their life too. She, oh, oh, you forgot when they saw him in the crowd and they asked Peter, hey, aren't you the one who was hanging with Jesus? And he says, no, no, that's not me. And Jesus had already prophesied that before the cock crowed three times, you would have denied me three times. And what does he do? Peter denies him. And we never pay attention to the fact that if Peter had learned the principle in the garden, he wouldn't have denied him. But because Peter was asleep, he never understood the principle that when it comes to life and death, at the moment that you've got to submit and finally follow Christ, give up everything about you to follow the father, you have to be mindful and watchful because of not temptation to deny and to miss the Gethsemane moment will come upon you and before you know it you'll have missed the moment okay Tosh what are you trying to say so the Bible tells us right I'm, I'm actually almost done the Bible tells us that Gethsemane means get Shemanan it's the oil press all right it's the garden where a grove of olives is there and it's located by an oil press all right and so for those who don't know what an oil press is during that time, an oil press, it was, it was a stone, a, a large stone, okay? So I'll paint the picture for you. So it's this large stone um, that's circular, almost looks like a donut. So imagine a donut stone, okay? And at the, the bottom of it um, is an opening, and there are all these olives, okay? And then connected to it, almost looking like a lollipop or a drumstick, 
there's another uh, circular stone that you use to crush in a circular motion, okay? You use it to crush the olives. And as you're crushing the olive with stone to stone, it's releasing all of the juice. Now, the thing is that in the Garden of Gethsemane, because there were so many olives, they could produce uh, more more pure olives than other places. So they would put this olive press there so that way you could produce the purest, hear me, the purest of olives. So the Bible tells us that the olive tree, it represents peace or shalom. And the pure olive that represents olives after pressing is specific for one reason. Hear me, write this down if you're taking notes. It's to remove the bitter juices. Okay, stick with me because I only got a few more minutes. The pure olive that is being pressed is not just being pressed because small you need multiple olives to produce a a a pure a, a pure oil but specifically it's because there's no more bitterness that the olive produces there's no more bitterness in the taste or the look of the oil itself okay so so in other words when i'm getting pressed or when the olives are getting pressed in this wine press, it's producing the best oil and the purest oil, okay? So the workers, what they would do is they would spread out like big sheets under the trees and they used to beat, <laughs> y'all see where I'm going, right? And they used to beat the trees with these sticks. They would beat the trees, right? And in, in, in the groves, they would beat the trees with these uh, sticks in order to knock the olives off of the tree. And then they would gather, hear me, I know y'all like this, right? They would gather all of the, the, the olives that had fallen onto the ground, pick them up in the sheet. And they would go ahead and put them in the basin of the oil press. And then they would go ahead and make those into uh, 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 the purest of the purest olive. So what's your point, Tasha? Like, 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 what are you trying to say here? It's really simple. When Jesus got to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus at this particular juncture was not afraid to die. And for a lot of us, we're not afraid to die. You get to a point in your life where you're not afraid to die. You're, you're not afraid to lose. You're not a, you, you, you've gone through so many things. You've achieved so many things that there's something inside of you, though, that is needing direction. And I'll just talk to me. There's something in my life right now that I am needing direction on. And as I've been in prayer, God has said just this one thing to me. And it's submission. At this moment, Jesus is finally at the place where his 33 years has met this Kairos moment. Not where he's going to be crucified, but where literally he has to take on the sins of this world and spend a moment of time separated from the Father. Now, I know for a lot of you, that doesn't seem like a big, big deal. But it's a huge deal because that's what matched Jesus's destiny. Jesus's destiny and the, the, the glamored story that we tell is he died, he rose again, and I'm so thankful. But Jesus, our Savior, 
our Lord, our Messiah, was specifically anointed to lose his life for our sake. He was anointed or smeared at Gethsemane at that moment to take on a debt that could not be paid. He didn't take it on on the cross. The cross was the byproduct of a decision he made in Gethsemane. I don't know who's listening, but I really need you to understand what I'm saying. There are about 175 of you who are listening that you are at a Gethsemane moment. And the Gethsemane moment is the Kairos moment that your destiny is finally meeting the Father. You have been gifted all your life. You have been spoken over prophetically. You have answered the call. You have started to use the vehicles of, of singing and dancing and preaching to bring people to the gospel. But it's not enough. It's not enough. And maybe it's just for me. Singing is not enough. Preaching is not enough. Being a good Christian is not enough for me anymore. There is something burning on the inside of me. And I had not been able to figure it out until I heard the Lord say, Dear Olives. Dear Olive is God's letter to me that says, Natasha Daniels, are you ready to submit to your destiny? You've been a good person. You've been a good wife. You've been a good pastor. You've been a great singer. You've been a good leader. You've been a great worker. You've been a good daughter. You've been a great this and you've been a great auntie and you've been a, 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 a great uh, entrepreneur and you've done all those things. But are you finally ready to meet destiny? Are you finally ready to submit in a way that I can anoint you and set you apart to do what I need you to do. And can I tell y'all I'm scared? As I sit and record this podcast, I am scared. Right? I, I've been in front of the crowds and I've tried to get my friends to comfort me in this season of my life. I am in agony over the fact, not that I'm gonna lose my life, but I am agony over the fact that I have to walk away from everything that I love, that I've known, everything that I've built, everything that I thought I was to meet destiny. And so as I read this text and as I did today's podcast, as I'm doing today's podcast, the goal of today's podcast is to really encourage and to ask that person who, who, who's, who's still praying in the garden. Can I tell you that you do have a choice at any given moment, Jesus could have walked away Right, he's, he's torn between being a good son and being alone for a moment of time. He, he's torn between being the Messiah of the world and, and realizing what it actually is going to cost him. That a miracle can't save him from this journey. That, 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 
that doing another miraculous work, having another prayer service isn't going to save him from this destiny moment, this Kairos moment. Kronos has gotten him to 33, but Kairos is going to take him to the cross. He is at this crossroad and I'm asking somebody who's listening, who else is at this crossroad? Are you really ready to submit to your destiny? So somebody's saying, how will you know when you're there? Truth. Because you're not satisfied. You have reached a cap in your life where you have done everything that God has asked you to do. You have prepared yourself. For every moment you have been on every platform, you have, you have, you have talked to thousands of people. I've done Sunday's best. I've, I've been to, to Vegas. I've been to rhythm of gospel. I've been to, to, I've been flown out to Mississippi to preach and to first class. And I've, I've ministered at, at, at gospel award shows and gotten awards and I've been ordained and I've been licensed and I've gotten promotions and I've almost, well, you know, y'all hear me. I've almost made six figures. I'm, I'm almost there guys I'm almost there I have I've gone to school I have gotten my degree I've taken care of my husband I have raised my 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 help to raise my godson I have I have been a good daughter I have helped my parents I have lived my life I have built my I've done it already I've gotten my car I've been at the lowest of lows and I've been at the highest of highs I've I've done it already and I'm not satisfied because I'm trying to figure out how I can make my purpose match my destiny. Well, Tasha, what's your purpose? It's easy. My purpose is to ignite a fire and a passion in people, secular or spiritual, to seek God authentically. My desire and the, the atmospheres that God allows me to create is so that people can experience his presence and get a desire to worship him. That's my purpose. Every time I talk, every time I sing, every time I open my mouth, every environment that I create is to provide a space and an atmosphere to ignite a curiosity, a passion, a relationship with our God. But I have capped on how I'm supposed to do that in the life that I thought I knew, in the life that I prepared for. So now here I am at this crossroad. I'm gifted, I'm talented. But everybody gets to this place in the Old Testament. It was the river of Jabbok where Jacob had to make a decision. Are you going to be Jacob or are you going to be Israel? In the New Testament, it's the, it's the garden of Gethsemane where we see Jesus battling. We don't see him battling with death. We see him battling with destiny. And I'm asking some of us, as I too am battling with destiny, the only thing that will satisfy God in the moment of Gethsemane and you is submission. The only thing that will satisfy our God is submission. The Bible says that the anointing of God or that the anointing breaks the yoke. But when you study what the anointing is, the truth of the matter is that the anointing 
is the consecration that's made where God himself puts his oil on you. It's not man saying that you're gifted and calling it anointed. I've been there already. It's not man looking at you and saying that you're anointed. It's not when your pastor puts, I'm not talking about when your pastor puts oil on you and I'm not belittling when they do that. But God is pressing you at the moment of Kairos and Kronos when timing, chronological timing, Kronos finally meets destiny. And God is saying, are you willing for me to put and smear everything that you've gone through on you so that I can use you as my battle axe? So that I can use you as my called out? So that I can use you as the one who's going to bring glory and honor to my name. That you are chosen and divinely given authority to operate under the auspice of God. Where the Holy Spirit is all over you. You have been set apart specifically to do the work of God. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus' submission gives him access to be smeared for the designated purpose of God. And it had nothing to do with Jesus. It had everything to do with the plan of the Father. And I'm asking some of you, have you gotten there yet? Because can I tell you that Natasha Daniels is finally there? Whatever it takes, whatever that looks like, I am finally there. A couple weeks ago, we were singing You Have Rescued My Life by Phil Thompson. And it broke out into this part where it says that he will rescue you. And for so long, I have been asking God to save me from this, this fear. This fear of being so close to him that I lose everything else around me. And I have been battled and battled and battled and battled and I am finally putting up that fight I know it's gonna cost me everything to chase after God the way that I am ready to do my destiny And the human side of me is in agony. But let me tell you, God has closed off every level of comfort in my life. And for some of you, you may say, well, isn't that cruel? No. Because the truth of the matter is, it's really what you want. If I were to be honest with you, you want the fullness of God, the presence of God, the experience of God. You just don't want the price. You don't want the price and it scares you to know what you'd have to do or what you'd have to give up to chase God. The Bible is clear when it says to lose your life is to gain it with him. It's not talking about when you die. It's talking about when you finally give up your will for his. When you finally give up your life for him not a few decisions not a few moments 
But when you finally consecrate your life to him. The people you admire in the Bible, they they consecrated their life. They had that Kairos moment where they consecrated their life. That is the anointing of God. That he and I have come to an arrangement and an agreement that I will fight for you. I will honor you. I will do your work so that you can get the glory. I don't know if that's you today. But I do know that that is me today. Marianne Williamson says this. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous, Actually, the question is, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everybody. And we let our own light shine. As we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Father God, I say thank you. I adore you and I honor you for this moment. Everybody is going to have a moment where they have to choose walking away from destiny or pursuing it head on. I pray that this podcast enlightens somebody to pursue destiny full force. It's not easy because the fear The fear that comes sometimes with not being sure how or what it's going to look like, God, keeps us from accepting your full will. But thank you. Thank you that you remind us on a daily basis that if Jesus can do it, we can do it. Thank you for this appointed time, this Kairos time. And I pray that you would get the glory out of it all. In Jesus' name, amen. So listen, I know that that one was a little heavy today. That's my truth. That's where I'm at. And I want to encourage all of you to honestly just trust God. I promise I'll give you guys an update as to what, what has happened since I finally told God all the way yes. The process that he's been taking me through, I already know what it is how to do it, but submitting myself to it is something completely different. Allowing myself to be consecrated specifically for his use is completely different. So I'll keep you guys posted on what that looks like. It won't take away my smile. It won't take away my joy. I won't be so deep as people are always afraid of that I won't be uh, uh, relatable. 
But I do have my mind fixed and my heart made up to the fact that whatever I do is going to be for the glory of God. All for him. So listen, we all have opinions. We all think that we know exactly how this should be played out. But y'all do me a favor, GWG Nation. And everything that you do, and all that you do, just make sure that you're going with God. Amen. Love you guys. Peace.